exciting news that I want to share with everybody. So I want you to mark October 22nd on your calendars because it's going to be a special day. Does anybody know what All Nations Day is about? Yes. We're going to celebrate All Nations Day this year, and we're going to do it in a very extraordinary and fun way. So All Nations Day is a celebration of the different cultures in the United States. We know when missionaries go overseas, they have to acclimate to the customs, and they have to acclimate to the food and to the culture. But we are so blessed. We are going to unite with the Whitehall Church, the Spanish Church in Whitehall, and we are going to celebrate together All Nations Day, October 22nd. And you get to sleep in that day because it's not going to be till 12 o'clock. And they are going to host us at their church in Whitehall. But don't be afraid because if you need a ride, we will do car sharing. We will share. We want everybody to be there. Brother Hernandez was so excited, and I am so excited, because they have a Spanish church. We're going to have a Spanish-English. They're going to they're interpret for us, and it's going to be uh, Sister Becker's going to help sing. It's going to be exciting. And um, they have different costumes that they're going to wear, and I, not really costumes, but um, cultural, yeah, cultural outfits. So if you have a cultural costume or a cult, anything from your, you know, if you're Norwegian or if you're Dutch, we lived in a Dutch community, and my sister actually had some wooden shoes that she bought because every year they had the festival around that. So whatever, you are welcome to wear it and display. We are going to have a service, and then after that service, we are going to have fellowship, and they're going to have their authentic food, and we're going to bring a dish to pass from each one of us. And if you have something... Um, cultural or ethnicity that's to you, you know, if you're I'm Norwegian and I'm Native American and I got a little bit of Welch in there. But if you have anything that uh, pertains to that or American food, we're all about that. Um, there's so much blending. We, y you can bring a dish to pass. They're going to have, I requested if their Sunday school could do a little program, so I think at least the children are going to sing for us. It's going to be such an exciting day. Brother Hernandez has been wanting to do this. He didn't know how to implement it, so we got together, and we are. it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. We're going to unite with them because we're all one body. We might not be able to speak the same language, but I guarantee you that the Spirit of the Lord is the same. We're going to worship together. We're going to... We're going to Build a community together because in La Crosse there are so many different cultures. And I just believe that this is just going to be the beginning because we are willing to extend ourselves to maybe be a little uncomfortable and have to drive a little distance. If we are willing to do this, God is going to open up doors of opportunity in this city. 
And I am thanking him and praising him for what he's going to do in the future. So I am so excited. October 22nd at noon, it'll be at the church in Whitehall, and we will get you a map and we'll get you the um, address. And if you need a ride or you want a car share, I'd be willing to take people. Sister Becker would be willing to take people. The shepherds there, I'm sure the Demus will. It's going to be a wonderful time of fellowship. So I am going to encourage you. And then they're going to take an offering because all nations day, churches take offerings, and then they send it for missions. So it is so exciting. They are so excited. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. So the Lord, I know that it's going to be a special time. So October 22nd, 12 o'clock in Whitehall. Look forward to it. Thank you, Sister Rudy. I am excited about that. I just, many of you know that we actually pastored there years ago. Uh, It is difficult not knowing the language, but it is so amazing when we have that bilingual service and seeing the move of God. When they don't know the words, they, they feel the spirit and they show it. We can do the same. I'm excited. All right, we do have a few announcements. Um, we are starting today with taking up the offering for the Tupelo Children's gift cards. That's uh, We're going to do the $25 Walmart gift cards. So just have that on your mind. Uh, start giving for that. I know it's Christmas is a ways off, but we can do a little. If we t- kind of start now, we can... We always do a really good job getting gift cards for those kids. All right. September 9th, uh, we've got a couple things going on. There's a Bible study seminar in Mequon. There's a sectional Spanish rally in Thorpe. That's going to be at noon on September 9th. Uh, September 16th, we have the men's prayer here at 8 a.m. And the ladies' meeting at 10 a.m., And you will be reading Eve, chapter 3 in our books. We're going to be discussing Eve. Also, um, men, there's a stakeout on September 16th. I don't have the slide for that, but it's going to be in Toma at 10 a.m. If you are going to go, please let Pastor know because they're already asking for a head count on that. All right, that's what I've got for what's coming up So far, let's worship our Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. 
There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. There is peace in the house of the Lord. There is peace in the house of the Lord. There is peace in the house of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. There is love in the house of the Lord. There is love in the house of the Lord. There is love in the house of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. There is peace in the house of the Lord. There is peace in the house of the Lord. There is peace in the house of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. There is love in the house of the Lord. There is love in the house of the Lord. There is love in the house of the Lord. Let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful to be in your house today, Lord. Hallelujah. Here to worship you. Here to praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Satan's like a roaring lion roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible tells us so. Many souls have been his prey to fall in some weak hour. But God has promised us today his overcoming power. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. On the day of Pentecost, a rushing mighty wind blew into the upper room and baptized all of them with the power greater than any earthly foe. I'm so glad I got it too. I'm gonna let the whole world know. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. You are great and mighty. You are almighty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. For God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great and greatly to be praised. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth. For God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great and greatly to be praised. 
unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. For God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Praise God. He is the Lord God who reigns on high, and He is absolutely worthy to be praised today. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bow our face to the earth before You. We give Yourself our highest praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We laud and we magnify You. We heap glory and honor unto the Most High God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because that You are worthy, altogether and ever worthy. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You've done. Thank You, Jesus, for who You are. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. No matter what goes on in our lives, no matter what circumstances or situations we face, we have a God, folks, who can meet that need. Amen. Who desires to meet that need. I believe that the Lord is delighted when I come to Him first with my problems, my circumstances and situations. Praise God. He doesn't owe me anything, but He gives me so much. What an awesome, awesome God. I am so delighted to be worshiping Him together with you this morning. Our Scripture text will be found in two places, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 10. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6. You'll never find chapter 10. <laughs> Although you can look. <laughs> yes, Second Timothy chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 6. Amen. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 states this. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him, to be a soldier. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, the apostle writes this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We'll be speaking for the remainder of this service, and according to God's will on this topic, the field-expedient Christian. The field-expedient Christian. Lord Jesus, we worship and we praise you. I am so thankful for this opportunity you've given me to deliver the word of the Lord to your people. Let it be done with power and with authority, not as the scribes. Let it be done effectually, Lord Jesus, according to your will. Minister to every need. I pray, Lord, that your will would be accomplished, your name would be glorified. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Field expedient. Defined as improvised from locally available materials. Or again, a course of action used in the absence of a more suitable or traditional method to achieve an objective. I found this quote from uh, the American Journal of Nursing, June 2007. In the early years of the Vietnam War, when resources were in short supply, nurses improvised in the field to provide care to the sick and wounded under extremely adverse conditions. This field expediency was the result of nursing knowledge as well as flexibility, creativity, audacity, and pragmatism. Nurses in other settings, for example, those practicing in remote areas in developing nations or during natural disasters, may also find themselves facing severe shortages or too few essential supplies or a lack of equipment. Familiarity with the methods associated with field expediency will help nurses adapt quickly on the battlefield and off. Unquote. Amen. Field expedient methods. Those of you that have been in the military probably have heard this term before. Uh, you may have anyway. My time in the Army, I was, uh, I was 18 years old when I joined, and I was strong-willed. I was full of myself. I, was, I had everything figured out. And, uh, yeah, and then I went into the Army. <clears throat> Their heads are a lot bigger than mine were. And when I butted with them, I lost. <laughs> I got hurt. And uh, so anyway, I changed my methods. I evolved my strategies. I, uh, I just kept it under the, the radar, as it were. But I let it creep out my rebellion. I let it creep out in little ways. I, I kept the sides short, but I grow the, when I had hair, I grew the top out. <clears throat> God got the last laugh on that. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <clears throat> when we were in the motor pool, I would, uh, I'd always want to wear headgear because I wanted to hide that. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, I'd let that out in little ways. But, you know, in the military, at least at the time, uh, I don't think, they don't press uniforms anymore. They just, they just wash and wear, which is awesome. They don't polish their boots either. They just, they just put them on and, and wear them. It's amazing. But, yeah, yeah, when most of us were in, certainly when I was in, we still had to do all that. Had to spit sign boots, had to, had to press the uniform. And I would do the bare minimum because I was a field soldier. That's, that's where my bread and butter was. I, I was. I'm being paid to kill the enemy. I'm being paid to take ground. I'm not being paid to spit sign boots and, and press uniforms and keep a sock drawer organized. <clears throat> Can you imagine that every one of my promotions, E1 through E4, was because of time and grade? <laughs> I had no idea why. I couldn't figure it out. I was an excellent field soldier. We went to the field. I was a rock star. I, I mean, I really was. I, I nailed everything. But when we came back to Garrison, I fell all apart. I couldn't do any of that stuff. So, <clears throat> uh, field expediency. The field expedient method. I was all about that. That was all me, son. I was field expedient. 
forget all those rules and regulations, and let's just get the job done. Let's just get it done with the fewest resources, the quickest way, easiest way possible. And we could do that in the field. I mean, that was, that was actually encouraged in the field. But not in the rear, not in garrison. That was not encouraged at all uh, by the book, by the numbers. AR this, AR that, regulations. Uh, I mean, everything. Sleeve length. Anyway, uh, my mind has blotted all that out. But I couldn't, I wouldn't do that. And so I rationalized it by, I'm a field soldier. Because I loved, I loved the field. I loved it. I could get dirty. I didn't have to press my uniform. Didn't have to, we had to polish boots, but we didn't have to spit sign them. So anyway, I loved it. E134, no promotion. They had to give it to me. <laughs> Because I'd been in, I stuck it out long enough. <laughs> but, from E4 to E5 took me three months. And the reason for that was, unbeknownst to me, I was, I was a uh, cannon crew guy. I was on a howitzer. And I was at a point where I was just training to, use how, training to be a gunner. Now the gunner, the chief is, is the actual, uh, what the infantry would call the squad leader. Uh, but the gunner was the one that really ran the show, at least out in the field. The gunner, all he did was he jumped onto the gun sight, sat down, and barked commands. That's all he did. He was on the site, laying the howitzer, getting azimuth and stuff like that. That's what I was training to do. I thought, man, that's awesome. I don't have to... We had to put a, a net on over the, over the five ton, over the howitzer, and it would always get caught in your button. Always. And you'd pop buttons because you don't have time to sit there and got to get the net up. Pop it, put the net up. I hated that. <coughs> so now I didn't have to mess with anything. I just, on that site. Well, anyway, the first time I was actually going to do it in the field, uh, we pulled in and uh, it was what they call a hip suit. And a little bit of background. We were also what was called base piece, which meant we were expected to get ready to fire first. We had the best crew. We were the fastest. We were the most accurate. And, but that was with the old gunner, not me. <coughs> so now I'm going to step into that place. We pull on what they call a hip suit. Uh, it's a, you set up really fast, fire a few rounds, and leave before the enemy can triangulate your position. Okay. Um, so we pulled in, and the battalion sergeant major was right there observing everything. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is my first time. This is... So I'm like, all right, I'm going to step up. I'm going to take the best swing I can. <laughs> so I got in there. I started barking commands like crazy. I mean, I was, I was yelling. I was screaming. I was getting things organized, getting things done, and we did it. I mean, we fired off, dead shot, dead accurate, pulled out. Well, very shortly after that, she said, Sergeant Major wants to send you to the E5 board. <clears throat> like, awesome. But E5 board is a bunch of rules and regulations. <clears throat> I had to memorize 
all kinds of stuff. What's the maximum effective range of a uh, 50 cal? What's the maximum range of M16? How much does it weigh in kilograms? How much do the bullets weigh? How, much, how long? You know, just, just ridiculous stuff that I didn't need to know. What's the story of Iron Mike in the center of Fort Bragg? I don't know. It's a statue that I have to run around every morning. <laughs> and I had to have the immaculate uniform, spit shine boots, the whole shebang. <clears throat> well, I had just gotten promoted to E4, so I still had my E3 stripes on my dress greens. And I didn't have time. I didn't want to make the time to get them taken to the shop, so I cut them off, and I still had the E4 on myself. Good idea, right? Because I'm all about detail. <laughs> and uh, that wasn't upside down, but it was. It was a little. It, it was a little tired. <laughs> it was trying to lay down. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, and that's that's my first sergeant. He did not like me at all for those very reasons. And looking back on it, I think rightly so. He was not in my court. <clears throat> so he drilled me. He drilled me. He pointed out my rank. He asked me, who did your shoes? Because <laughs> I didn't do them. I had them done. <laughs> so he asked me that. I'm like, so-and-so down on the street there. <clears throat> but anyway, I got promoted by the skin of my teeth. My first sergeant gave me the lowest score possible, but I think the sergeant major ran me through. But in any case, I was ran through because I impressed the sergeant major in the field. After I got promoted, I started discovering the merits of both. I stayed field expedient, but I also started to clean up my act in garrison. I was spit signing my boots daily. I had creases so tight you could save with them. <clears throat> uh, yep, yep, and you'd be like <sighs> breaking the starch off. So, I learned the merits of both. And in our Christian lives, our Christian lives, folks, there are merits to both. And there are also ditches on both sides of the road that we have to be aware of. When I came into this truth, the, uh, the styles of the day were women poofs, big poofs. If you don't know what a poof is, it was where they would, the women would take the front of their hair and put a gallon of hair spray on it and they would up like this and it was it was like a frozen wave on your head and I don't I can't remember what you guys would do in a stiff wind <laughs> have people pushing you forward <laughs> I don't know because that thing would catch like crazy and you know uh, I came into church in North Carolina which is the South. And so they were big on, uh, I mean, 
every service you had to wear something different. You had to have a new dress every service. You had to have a new suit on every service. And again, that wasn't me. I had a pair of slacks that I washed in the washer. I had a belt. I had one shirt. And I had one tie. And I was good. That's, that's what I wore to church. And uh, <clears throat> so I looked around at you know, all these other people, and I kind of started thinking, these, these were kind of like garrison Christians. They... Uh, they, they, and maybe maybe the brother at men's camp would have called these pretty Pentecostals. But anyway, they uh, they dressed, I mean, immaculately. They looked amazing, both men and women. They just looked amazing. But when I got to know some of them better, they're just, I hate to say it like this, but there just wasn't a lot of depth there. There wasn't a lot of spirituality there. Uh, their prayer lives were very hit and miss. I had been in this thing for a few months, and I already knew more about the Bible than they did. Then they were born and raised in this. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. I'm coming to you with questions, and you don't, you don't even, you don't even understand the question. So I was like, I want to be a field expedient Christian. I want to look the part. I mean, I want to dress. I want to dress nice. Uh, we'll talk more about that stuff in a moment, but but I want to be effectual. I want to. I want to, when I'm out in the field, when I'm out earning my pay, as it were, I want to be good at that. I want to be effective at that. When it comes time to fight demons, what's a demon? How do I know that it's a demon? What do I do? No, I'm a child of God. I ought to know, if anybody knows what to do in that situation, I ought to know what to do in that situation. And there are demons out there, folks. There are probably demons in here. They're talking to maybe a few of you. If not now, they'll be talking later. Get rid of them. Hang up the phone. Shut them, shut them up. They have nothing to say. But we have authority over that. We ought to know what to do in that situation. If not, then we need some training as to what to do in that situation. And that's fair, folks. I'm not saying that facetiously. If I don't know what to do in Scripture, I'm going to ask a mentor. That's what I did my whole Christian walk. I got a question. I'm asking. I don't care if I look stupid. I want to, I want to get this stuff down. I want to be right with God. And if I have to ask a few silly questions, man, that's a small price. That, that's no price at all for me. I'll ask silly questions all day long. I mean, I, I don't care. But I want my answers. I came into those services thinking I, I'm walking in the middle of a fashion show. Delicate hands and faces. I mean, soft and, and comfortable and... No one in the prayer room, though. The prayer room in the morning before service. Very few people in there. When I was looking at Bible schools to try out, I went to, um, uh, what was the one in Jackson? 
before it closed down. I went to one of their open houses, and uh, <clears throat> in, in the prayer room before the day started, it was me and one other guy. And they had like 40, 50 people there. I was like, that was telling to me. Bible study, memorization. Folks, when I was in the Army, we trained with that M16. We trained with it. We did everything with it. We knew it inside and out. Take it apart, clean it, put it back together, tell you what all the pieces were. I need to know the Word of God the same way. I need to know it inside and out. I need to know what it's saying, what it means. I need to be able to communicate that meaning to others. It's not just a good book that I keep on my shelf to, to scare away the pastor. I need to know what it says. I need to be practiced in studying it. Because I'll never know everything about it. Not ever. Not In a thousand years, I'll never know everything that this book says. But every day, I want to plume its depths. I want to ascend its heights. It's such a beautiful book. Spiritual warfare. We're, we're Christians. We're, we're Christian soldiers. We're soldiers, folks. Our scripture text. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I need to understand that there are going to be times of discomfort. I may look all clean and pretty on the outside, but on the inside, I'm fighting the battle of my life, perhaps. Not at the moment, but you know what I'm talking about. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing good. Put on a strong face. If I can be honest with, with the church people here, if you're not doing good, and I ask you how you're doing, let me know. Let me know how you're really doing. Don't tell me you're doing good because you don't want to bother me. You think I'm busy. I probably am busy, but not too busy to, to spend a few moments with a brother or sister. God help me if I ever get that busy. Tell me you're not doing good. I had a bad day yesterday. Struggling with this. I want to know those things. I do. When I was new in church and I was having a bad day, I didn't tell anyone either because I didn't want to bother anyone. They got their own problems. I understand, I understand that excuse. I used it a lot. They got their own problems. They don't need mine. I'll just, I'll just deal with it. I have God. Yeah, we all have God, but we also have one another. And it's designed that way on purpose. We need each other. Give us a shot. That it's on both sides of the roads. There's two temptations when we, we talk about uh, the field expedient Christian, when we talk about uh, being effectual in the service of Jesus Christ. The one temptation is to throw out all tradition, throw out all those rules and regs, and just do what's effective. Just get the job done. 
Let God do what He wants to do. That's the one temptation. The other temptation is on the other side of the road. Stick to tradition, policy, and procedure to the point that God doesn't have the freedom to supersede them when He desires to. And there are churches like that. I would say, I would argue for balance. Stay in the middle of the road here. I want to throw some examples out. Dressing up for church. Is that scriptural? Specifically, technically, no, it's not scriptural. I don't see anywhere thou shalt dress up for church. Thou shalt wear a suit and a tie for church. But, on the other hand, in a more general sense, I think it is scriptural. And here's why I say that. There are many, many studies, exhaustive studies. You can just Google it. Something, uh, how you dress affects how you act. How you dress affects how you think. Uh, Just Google. You see all kinds of studies on it. Every single time. And that's why workplaces have dress codes. If I'm in an office, they want me to wear a tie. Why? Why Why would I need to wear a tie? Because of the psychology behind that. When I dress up, I act different. I think different about myself. Now, is wearing a suit and a tie going to get me to heaven? Absolutely not. We all understand that. It's not a salvation issue. But, when I dress up, I act different. I act more formally. And I I view myself as, as someone different. And the other reason for dressing up is because certainly in our culture today, this is my personal opinion, I think we're too casual. I think everything has become too casual. I see, I see churches, uh, pastor is called by their first name, everyone's called by their first name. Uh, when I was growing up, I called adults by the last name. Mr. and Mrs. That's just how I was raised. I think that's a show of respect. I am the younger, giving reverence and respect to my elder. I don't go up to someone uh, 40, 50 years older than me and say, Hey, Jim. Now, I do that at work because I kind of have to do that work. I don't know people's last names at work. They won't give them to me. But... Uh, <clears throat> But I, I, I'll do that at work. But when I, give, when I have the opportunity, I want to call people by their last name. Why? Because I'm showing respect to them. I want to show respect. I want to show reverence to people. That's why I do that. And when I dress up and I come into the presence of God, I'm doing that because I want to show reverence to the house of God. I want to show reverence to the presence of God. Now, can I come in, in whatever I'm wearing? Yeah, of course I can. I don't dress up like this in my daily prayer in the morning. I'm dressed for work in the morning. And I I pray before work in those clothes. But when I come to the house of God and I gather together with the people of God, I don't want to do it casually. I don't want to approach the presence of God in a casual manner. He's our Heavenly Father, for sure. And I'm thankful for that. But He's also my King. He's also my Savior. He's my Sovereign. And I want to give Him due reverence and respect every single time I approach the throne of grace. 
He can extend the scepter to me, and we can go from there. But I want to approach properly. Amen. <clears throat> so, specifically, no, this isn't scriptural. But in more general terms, I think, yeah, I think a case could be made that it is scriptural. How about making people sit for six months or even a year before being used in the church when they transfer? Now, Bishop Booker, he's got his own standards on this. Uh, this is for this church. Okay? Other pastors, they can do what they want. But in this church, I don't see a need for that. Case by case basis. If I see someone who's, who's desiring to, to serve God, especially with field expediency in mind, if there's no reason to make them sit, I'd rather see God use them sooner rather than later. Now, maybe there is a reason that we need to sit someone and, and observe them for a while. In that case, we're free to do that. Absolutely. But in every single case, I don't think it's necessary. And it won't be necessary, at least as long as I'm pastoring. We're going to do that on a case-by-case basis. You start coming from another church, you're here a month, two months, two weeks, and you want to be used, I see no reason not to. Let's get people out in the field. Let's get laborers out in the field where they can do some good. Praise God. Only the pastor can baptize someone. We've talked about this before, but uh, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. I think that is a uh, carryover from the, the old Roman Catholic tradition uh, where the priest did everything. I have no problem. Anyone that's baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, living for God, submitted to pastoral authority, I have no problem with you baptizing someone. Just give me a call and let me know. We can put it on the records. Get a certificate made up. I have no problem with that. So be free. Do that. Amen. Have to have set service days, set service times. Everyone knows we have to have church on Sunday. We have to have church on Wednesday. It's got to be at a set time. <clears throat> Obviously not. Again, if it serves the church body better to move that some other time, some other day, I have no problem doing that. It's not scriptural. It's a tradition. Now, there are some, and again, we've talked about this. There are some traditions, folks, they're there for a reason. Remove not the old landmark with which thy fathers have set. Amen. You start, you start messing with traditions, I want us to be very careful. I want us to look diligently into that tradition. Why are we practicing that? Because there are sometimes. I may not understand where it originated from. Abolish it. Discover later, oh, that's why it's there. All kinds of rules and regulations at work that are nitpicky and, and tedious. But they're there because they've had problems in the past with those situations. And so they've had to update policy on that. 
We all know how that works. So sometimes, sometimes the tradition is just that. It's just something we've always done. We don't need to worry about it. Other times, the tradition is there for a very good reason. And we should probably think seriously about changing it or just leave it alone. Again, case-by-case basis. But just to say all tradition is bad, no, I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. I think some traditions are good, but not all of them. Biblical examples of field expediency. This is going to be kind of a weird message. Just so you know. Acts 5, 12 through 16, we read this. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And and of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. They brought him out, so not so Peter could lay hands on him and pray for him, but that his shadow might pass by. And they'd be healed because of that. That's the first time we ever see that at all in Scripture. Period. Field expedient. How many people were there needing prayer? More than a few. Multitudes of people. They were bringing him from other cities. There were probably, I'm guessing, at least thousands of people there. How do you pray individually for thousands of people? Now, I know that when we pray for someone, and I do this too, we like to pray long. We like to pray uh, for a good amount of time so that I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> and Brother Lee Stone King says, and you got to shake a little bit too. Because everyone knows that when you shake, you're more powerful spiritually. <laughs> he's, he's kidding, of course. But, but when we got thousands of people to pray for, we can't pray for them that way. It might be, Jesus' name, you're healed. Jesus' name, you're healed. Jesus' name, receive healing. Jesus' name, receive answer to prayer. Whatever it is. Ever been a part of an old-fashioned prayer line? I've been a part of that one time. It was a long line. It was a big service. I can't imagine the, the two or three guys that were up there praying five minutes for everyone. It just wouldn't have worked. Feel expedient. Get the job done. Get the answer to prayer. Get, get your needs met. That's what we're looking for. What's the, what's the end game here? What's the goal? What, what, what are we looking to accomplish here? I want my healing. I want salvation. I want my finances fixed. Whatever it is. Let's pray to get that done. Let's pray that God would take care of that. Uh, whatever means necessary. I heard, <laughs> I heard one guy a long time ago 
he's a UPCI preacher, he said, uh, I'd preach Elvis Presley if it would get someone salvation. Meaning that he was going to do whatever it takes to save people. And I don't think I would preach Elvis Presley, but... Uh, but I, I get I get the meaning behind his his kind of facetious statement. We're looking to affect change in people. We're looking to to minister to the needs of people. And if our policies and procedures aren't cutting it, if the way we've always done it isn't cutting it, then we need to find some other way. We need to find a field expedient way that is going to get the job done. That's what we're talking about. Acts 19, 11-12 says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Again, first time we'd ever heard of this in all, all of Scripture. Some of you have actually done this. Anointed handkerchiefs and put them under spouses' pillows and, and, and things of that nature. And it works, folks. It works. But again, field expediency. Paul couldn't go to every single one. What's the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Let's get it accomplished. In the field, our goal was to kill the enemy before they killed us. I mean, there are a lot of other things in the book and in the training, but I mean, if you boil everything down, that was, that was really it. Whatever job you had in the field, infantry, artillery, whatever it was, kill them before they kill you. That's what we were training to do. So how do we best accomplish that? That's a good way to move forward. What's the goal of the church? Seeking to save the lost, perfect the saints. When everything else is boiled away and and, and scraped off, that's really why we're here, folks. So that God can save people, God can perfect people. That's really what it boils down to. Now, how do we accomplish that? How best can we approach that? That's what we need to look at. That's what it means to be a field expedient Christian. Church-wide. As an individual, how do I become a field expedient Christian? I get to know my weapon. I start getting good at being in the field. I learn how to conduct myself in spiritual warfare. I learn how to fight the enemy. Because I promise you, the enemy knows how to fight you. He does. He does it 24-7, 365. Doesn't take vacations, doesn't take breaks, doesn't get bored or tired. This is all he does. Look for kinks in your armor. Look for cracks. Ah, there's one. Let's explore that. Something doesn't work? That's okay. Move on to the next. That doesn't work? Move on to the next. He doesn't care what it is. He 
the enemy is fighting against us. He's fighting against our brothers and sisters. He's fighting against those in the world. Trying to keep those in the world. When everything is all said and done, the fact of the matter is that we are at war. We are at war. And if I have to sacrifice a garrison ruler reg to make us more effective in the field, I will probably do that. Because that's why we're getting paid, as it were. I'm not getting paid to stand up here in a fancy suit and tie so you all can look at me and say, wow, what a nice suit. Is that a new tie? That's amazing. That's not why I'm up here, folks. That's not why you asked me to come here. You can download pictures of that all day long and be just fine. We need to be effectual at what God has called us to do. Effectual. Not just busy, as as Bishop likes to say. We need to be industrious. We need to be effectual in what we're doing. And that might mean changing a few things around. I don't have anything in mind yet. Okay, just don't be too nervous about stuff like that. But if it comes down to it, I would rather do that and stay effective. I would rather change a service time and stay effective. I would rather change a dress code and stay effective. I'm not talking about holiness. I'm talking about church attire. And stay effective. And all these things can be discussed and and talked about again. Don't kick me to the curb quite yet. I I haven't gone off the rails or anything. Not yet. Nope. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to make the point. We want to be effective in the kingdom of God. That is our purpose. That is why we were called. That is why we were saved. It wasn't to dress nice. It was to be effective in the kingdom of God. To advance the kingdom of God. To bring souls into the church. To perfect those souls with discipleship. Getting them involved in ministry. Those are the purposes of the church. Everything else is extraneous. Everything else, if it doesn't, if it's not subservient to those two goals, I don't see a reason for it to exist. It's got to tie somehow into one of those two goals. We don't have a lot of resources. We don't have a lot of people. We don't have a lot of uh, finances like big churches do. But we can still be effective in the kingdom of God. We don't need, we need God. That's all we need. When we have God, God can fill everything else in for us. So I'm not discouraged. I'm not, I'm not down in the molly grubs uh, because we lack this, we lack that. You know, you can focus on that if you want. But I'm thinking about everything we do have. We have people who give like crazy, sacrificially in this congregation. We have people who are prayer warriors in this congregation. Not just a few, a lot. 
We have more finances than we should. God has blessed this congregation because of your giving. He has blessed us. We have everything we need, folks. God has given us everything we need to move forward in His plan. We've just got to utilize the resources effectually. We've got to keep the... WTF Tenny. Main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <clears throat> we need to stay focused on that. All the extraneous stuff, we can deal with those in due time. But the focus is the salvation of the lost and the perfection of the saints. That's the focus. That's why Jesus died on a cross. He didn't die so I could have money in my bank and dress nice. He died so that I could be saved. That I could be delivered from the bondage of sin and death. He died so that everyone in this world could experience the same thing that you and I experience. Amen. That's our focus, folks. That's the mission of the church. And that's what we need to get good at. That's what we need to get good at. Amen. Let's all stand. Uh, this altar is open if you so desire. Uh, let's, let's come and pray for a moment. Uh, if you prefer your pew, that's fine too. Um, God is everywhere in this place. We don't need to go in a particular spot to touch the throne of grace. Amen. But if you're so inclined, the altar is open. Otherwise, let's find a place to pray. Let's, let's seek the face of God. Amen. We want to get good at those things that are really important. We want to get good at prayer. We want to get good at fasting. We want to get good at Bible study, memorization, Bible teaching. We need to get good at spiritual warfare. Amen. The situations we see in the book of Acts, the circumstances the apostles faced in the book of Acts, are in many ways the same situations the church faces today. Different forms, different contexts. The goals of the church, the purposes of the church are twofold. Lord Jesus, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. Help us to get good at those things that are necessary to advance the kingdom of God. I don't want to be good at seeking an answer for prayer that satisfies my own lusts. I don't want to be good at praying just for my own needs. I don't want to be good at, at doing those things that are, that are just enough to get by. Just enough to escape hell. I want to be a field expedient soldier, Lord Jesus. I want to be effectual in the kingdom of God. When you send me forth on a mission, when you send me out into the field to do battle, I want to be effective. I want to know what's going on. I want to know my job. I want to know what to do in, in this situation or that. When the enemy comes against me, I want to be wary of him. 
I want to be informed as to His wiles. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We don't have to be ignorant of His devices. And if we are, Lord Jesus, help us to get taught. Help us to learn. Teach us Yourself. Send us to, to mentors and teachers who will train us and show us what we ought to do in this situation or that. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be effectual in the field. Oh, Hallelujah, Jesus. As ever, we give glory and honor unto You. We worship and we praise You. We thank You for the Word that we've received. Help us to receive it. Help me, Lord Jesus, to receive the Word of Truth. Help me, I pray, to do something with this. I want to be good at this. I want to be effectual at this. The job that You have called me to do. The ministry that You have called me to do. You've called me to be a Christian. You've called me to represent You in this world. You've called me, Lord Jesus, to demonstrate You to this world. Hallelujah. Help us to be effectual in the demonstration of Your power and authority. Help us to be effectual in the demonstration of Your love and mercy and grace and compassion. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, when we speak to others, Lord, speak through us. When we minister to others, minister to them through us, I pray. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful, Lord Jesus, that we can be, we must be effectual for You. You have made it possible. It is Your desire that we are so. Thank You, Jesus. Whatever obstacles, whatever circumstances, whatever situations are in the way of us achieving that, eliminate them, remove them, move us around them. Do what You need to do, but destroy the obstacles that are standing in our way. Destroy those things that are standing between me and Your will. Hallelujah, Jesus.